podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. I'll only be a minute. Come in with me. What is HomeSense, anyway? Look, outdoor furniture is in. Hey, that's a great brand. And it's a six-piece set. Check out this price. Are you sure that's not just the table? No, chairs, too. Is this an outdoor rug? It is. It's nicer than our indoor rug. Outdoor ottomans, planters, patio umbrellas. Are you seeing these prices? You save a lot at HomeSense. This is the year we love our backyard. Can I say something? Yes. I'll get the truck. And that is why I love you. Save on outdoor like never before at HomeSense. Discover a store near you at HomeSense.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cop Table podcast, where tonight we are going to be reviewing the, the past few Liverpool games, performances, score lines, and then we're going to look forward to the Manchester United game this coming Sunday at Anfield. Joining me once again is Jay Riley. You can get Jay on Twitter at the Cop HQ if you want to give him a follow on there. So, welcome back on, Jay. How are you? Yeah, it's just been a bit disappointing lately, hasn't it, mate? You know, the Reds have been struggling and dropped, you know, a couple of silly points, really, and performance levels haven't been great. So we certainly need to rectify that now, don't we, on Sunday against United? And when you look at the league table now, everything's all bunched up, isn't it? So, you know, no time like the present to to start sorting things out and getting three points on the weekend against them. Yeah, most definitely. And where we're going to start off is uh, we're going to go Go back to our, our West West Brom game where where the problem started really, and we come away with a with a one all draw, didn't we? And pretty much dominated the whole of the first half, created a few opportunities, um, but then seemed to have run out of ideas. I thought, and and second half it, it was always it was always on the cards, wasn't it? That West Brom was going to get an opportunity at some point, and and they took their chance, didn't they? And they come away with a point. Typical Sam Allardyce performance, if you like, and. But after that, West Brom, as you've seen, raised the game against Liverpool and they've completely dropped off since. But just give us your thoughts on the the initial game we're going to cover first, please, Jay, the West Brom game. Well, yeah, it wasn't great news, was it, when um, Billich got the sack and Allardyce got the job because we knew we had a home game coming up against them. And, you know, ironically, the way Allardyce is, it normally in life you'd have a team that's sort of like your bogey team. And I think Klopp has like a bogey manager and that's Allardyce. And, you know, the reason I say that is because he's the last manager to come to Anfield with a team to beat us in April 2017 when Crystal Palace beat us 2-1. Allardyce was the manager that day and he also managed Everton for a brief period and they came to Anfield and got a late point as well, if I remember rightly. And Wayne Rooney scored a penalty 10 minutes to go. And, you know, again... West Brom, really poor team. Obviously, going back down, going to be relegated this season, as we've seen. You know, got beat 3 0 at home against Aston Villa since then. You know, lost, it was 4 0 at home against, um, was it Arsenal? And they lost 5 0 at home against Leeds. So, being in shock and form, really. And in between all that, they come to Anfield and get a point and 1 1 draw. And if we're being brutally honest, Liverpool were very poor, weren't they, in that game? I think we had two shots on target in the whole match, which, when you're analysed, they conceded four against Arsenal, five against Leeds, three against Villa. It's really, really poor. And, 
you know, Klopp said in the aftermatch that West Brom deserved their points, and they probably did. And that's down to Liverpool's poor performance, really. And I don't know what it was going into that game, but we just never performed to the levels that you'd expect, even after getting an early goal as well. So very frustrating. Um, and really, that's where the rot has started. Yeah, pretty much so. And then we moved on to the to the midweek game against Newcastle, didn't we? And again, pretty much we dominated the the possession stats. We we created opportunities. Mo Salah missed a missed a great chance as well, didn't he? And we come away from that game with a with another point. So yeah, another disappointing result. So what was your your thoughts on that Newcastle game, Jay? Well, going into the game, you thought you'd expect a reaction after dropping points against West Brom. And to be honest, the first half an hour, Liverpool were, were really poor and Newcastle could really have been in front. And Liverpool did, towards the end of the first half, get a little bit of a foothold in the game. And as you say, Mo Salah should have really put us in front with a couple of, another couple of opportunities really to take the lead. And in the second half, it was just a case of how we never scored is beyond belief, really. Thiago come on, didn't he, with 20 minutes to go and showed how good he is and, you know, ran the show really. And, you know, it's just really frustrating that we couldn't get manage to get that win and goal to get the three points. And I think Liverpool should really have had a penalty, shouldn't he? Sadio Mane's leg was grabbed as he was about to score. And, you know, Darlow had the, the game of his life, didn't he? The Newcastle goalkeeper. And it seems to be it's pretty typical, isn't it? It happens quite a lot, doesn't it? Where a goalkeeper has an absolute worldie against us and just wasn't to be. And very frustrating because that's two games on the spin then that you're dropping points in. So that's four points dropped against teams that you should really be beating down in the lower region regions of the table and you know Liverpool's little lead that we had at the top of the table was being cut was being cut down really then wasn't it so you know very frustrating again and four drop points and you know this is where you're hoping then for the reaction in the next game but yeah very frustrating to go to a poor Newcastle team and drop two points again yeah and like you're saying that's that's where you you hope that they'll kick on in the next game, but that's that's exactly what didn't happen, isn't it? And things pretty much went from from bad to worse, didn't we? We went, we went to to Southampton and conceded an early goal from Danny Ings, and yeah, I thought we we huffed and puffed in that game um, and and didn't take our chances once again. But as you can see from the the, the reaction of the the Southampton manager, it, it was. It was his FA Cup final winner, if you like. It was his Champions League. He's he's on the floor near enough in tears because he's he's beat this Liverpool side that's that's been put in front of him. So yeah, another another very disappointing result. But just give us um, your analysis on that Southampton game, please, Jay. Very disappointing because we all know Southampton are a very good side on the day, but when we went into that game, albeit Liverpool have got injuries ourselves, Southampton had about four or five players missing that day as well. You know, the keeper had COVID, they were missing the centre half, who'd been brilliant for them this season, Vestergaard. We were also missing the combative midfielder, Romeo. Um, a couple of other players missing as well. I think Ginepla went off injured early on in the game. So, you know, they were missing some key players, albeit Danny Ings was back and he still had war. Prowse in the middle of the park, but just, just frustrating, really. I mean, having to play Henderson centre half, so effectively you've got two centre midfield players playing centre back, and it's just a nonsense now, isn't it? You know, Liverpool have got three main centre backs injured. It's scandalous, really, that we haven't dipped into the transfer market, but, you know, that's another issue. Going into this game, we had two centre midfield players playing centre back, and Jordan Henderson playing there, and straight away, you know, Danny Ings scores, scores after two minutes, I think it was, and 
you know, you're up against it, aren't you? And albeit Liverpool did control most of the game as they did against Newcastle, didn't have as many chances this time around. Probably should have had a penalty again, a foul on Sadio Mane just wasn't to be. Um, and another very frustrating evening and our second defeat of the season in the Premier League. And like I say, that little buffer we had at the top of the league when we were, I think, it was five points clear at one stage. You know, obviously now we've been dislodged, but after that performance, Liverpool were, you know, level with Manchester United, and obviously other teams closing in. The packs closing in on us. Man City have, have had a few games in hand, and they've won a few games now, and they've closed the gap on us. Leicester have kept on winning. Even Everton are up there as well, aren't they? So, you know, it's very clustered at the top, and we've only got ourselves to blame because. And you get two points out of a possible nine against West Brom, Newcastle and Southampton. It's just not good enough, really. And as we know, with the Premier League, you know, them three games could be crucial now between now and the end of the season. And, you know, we could have really damaged our hopes of retaining this title. And Liverpool need to get back to winning ways on Sunday against Manchester United. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, after Liverpool probably being favourites for the title, all of a sudden, after them three poor results, you'd have to say it's probably Man City who are favourites now. Yeah, and, and like you touched on there, Jordan Henderson playing in the, the central defence position alongside Fabinho. Jordan again, second half, Trent, Trent Alexander-Arnold, should I say, sorry, comes off and is replaced by James Milner. So basically then you've got three midfield players playing in, in the back four positions. So we spoke about it before, haven't we, on previous podcasts about the, the need for a centre-back. Um, doesn't seem to be much happening. I think things would have moved on by now if there was there was any sign of a of a player coming in either alone or a short term whatever whatever sort of deal they could do but um what's what's your thoughts behind this Jay why aren't we signing a centre back is it is it purely financial reasons or is it is it Jürgen Klopp's choice do you think to to sit and wait till the exact player he wants comes along in the summer at the right price price if you like is some of these players who he's probably got an eye on are playing in still in the Champions League and still still fighting for titles around Europe, aren't he? So just give us your your thoughts on, on this centre back situation and and how does how does Jurgen Klopp answer this, if you like? Well, the thing is, what we've got to realise is Liverpool are very meticulous in who they select in terms of transfers into the club. So, you know, you only have to look at the fact that when we got Virgil van Dijk, we, we couldn't get him in the summer. So instead of getting someone else, we waited six months to get him in the January time. And that's just the way Liverpool are. They won't, it's always the long-term aim. It's never the sure fix, the quick fix. But I think it's a matter of a, it's a, it's a state of emergency now, isn't it? When you've got your two main centre-backs out on long-term injuries and likely to be out for the season. And then your, your third choice is basically like made of prawn crackers, as we keep saying about your matter. And then also, don't forget, we let Lovren go in the summer and never really replaced them. So, you know, when you analyse it, it's, it's, it's an emergency now, isn't it? Because we're basically a Fabinho injury away from disaster because you can't have a 23-year-old inexperienced Nat Phillips and a 19-year-old young kid in, in Reese Williams being your centre-half pair. And if you want to go on and win a Premier League title with 21 games remaining, it's just not going to happen. No matter how much faith you want to put in youth, no matter how much faith you want to play, put in players and obviously the coaching ability of Jürgen Klopp, certain players are just simply not good enough or they're not going to be good enough to basically sustain a, a title challenge. So I just think it's ridiculous, really, what, what they're doing. But... You know, ultimately, at the end of the day, the targets that I know that we're interested in 
There's three names that have been brought to my attention. We've all known for 12 months that Liverpool have been interested in Ben White from Brighton, but he signed a new deal in the summer, so there's no way he's going to leave in January. If he's going to leave, it's going to be next summer. Um, the same with Pau Torres, who I spoke about on a previous podcast. Liverpool are interested in him, but again, it's, it's only for summer only because, you know, he's going to cost like a lot of money as well. Plus the fact that he's not ready to leave in the January. Villarreal are under no obligation to sell in January. So he's again a summer target. Um, and the new name that got brought to me attention was, um, a Portuguese lad from Braga, Carmo, is it? Um, David Carmo he's another one that Liverpool have been monitoring yeah. but again it's for the summer so this is the problem we've got it's always the long term aim it's never a quick fix so okay fair enough don't change your philosophy don't change your outlook in terms of like your scouting your network and where you know you've got plans for the summer that's fair enough that's fine but I don't understand why they can't get a loan deal for someone now there's all the talk of that about that Militao, isn't he? From, from Militao from from uh, Real Madrid, who's he's obviously fell out of favour there. He's not happy, um, and he's made to be available for loan. Like, look, it's an absolute no-brainer for me. Get him, get him on loan for a couple of months, or not just necessarily him. Get anyone on loan for a couple of months, an experienced centre back. You know, so we don't have to rely on a kid in Reece Williams or an inexperienced player in that Phillips because. They've made mistakes already and they're going to make more mistakes as between now and May. So it's it's absolutely foolish, really, to put your trust and faith in someone like John Matter, who we all know might play a couple of games and he's going to get injured for a couple of games. You know, we're putting all our trust and faith in Fabinho remaining fifth for the rest of the se- fifth for the rest of the season. But he's already had an injury this season and missed four or five games. So, you know, he had an injury last season as well. So he's been a little bit susceptible over the last 12 months or so to injuries. So... It's just like suicidal, really, for me. Because this league title's there to be won by anyone, really. You see how tight it is. Man City are in a little bit of transition at the poor start of the season. And as I said before, they're now favourites for the league because Liverpool have messed up in the last three matches. You know, we've, at this moment in time, we've got Manchester United top of the table. But we all know that they're only pretenders. You know, they're in a bit of a false position. They've probably gained about, I'd say, around about eight points more this season than they should have done based on dodgy VAR decisions and penalties that they've received that shouldn't have been. So, you know, when you're Analyse the bigger picture. It's like we had Everton top of the league at the start of the season. We've had Chelsea being like right at the top of the table when they went on a, a big unbeaten run. We've had Tottenham top of the table for a, for a short period of time. There's loads of pretenders, but we all know when it comes to May, the main team to be concerned about is Manchester City. And Manchester City have had such a bad start, but now if they win their game in hand, they go above Liverpool, which is shocking, really. Because they lost their own 5-2 to, to Leicester, and they've drawn so many games this season. I mean, the only other defeat they had was against Tottenham, but they've to do so many games. They do at Leeds, they do like against Liverpool. They do a few games this season, really, where you, you don't normally drop that many points at the start of the season. So, you know, we've let them back in the door because as I said before Liverpool were five or six points clear at one stage and all of a sudden now three poor performances and poor results and we've just basically like give put the onus back on City to, to, to basically grab it with both hands and they're now favourites for me but as I say I'm not concerned about United in the slightest because you know luck can't carry on forever can it and you know when we know they're not a very good team you get favourable decisions by you know the referees and VAR and stuff you know it's 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 evidence isn't it you know you only have to look at the Champions League group they didn't even get out of their group you know Leipzig and PSG with the, the one and two in that group and you know United a poor side you know three to Leipzig three to PSG, they've conceded three to Palace this season, conceded six to Tottenham. So they're terrible at the back, do you know what I mean? How many times have they won 3-2 as well? 
3-2 at Southampton, 3-2 at Sheffield United, 3-2 against West Ham, I think it was as well, 3-2 against Brighton. So they're, they're awful at the back and they can certainly be got at and that's what I'm saying on Sunday. I think if Liverpool turn up and put in a performance, you know, I'm pretty confident that, you know, we'll get the job done. But as I say, going back to the defensive issue, I think it's suicide, really, myself, that Liverpool aren't signing a defender in this, this, this transfer window. And like I say, even if you've got a target that's going to cost you 40, 50 million the summer, get a loan signing then. Do you know what I mean? Make use of the loan market. But as, as it stands, it doesn't look like we're going to. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting to see if we do actually do anything. I know a few seasons about Klopp did go into the market in January, didn't he, and brought in Stephen Cork at a bit of a left-field sign, and nobody expected it to come in. And even though he did, didn't play centre-back, he came in and played centre-forward most of the time, but he, he was thrown on at the end of games and things like that. But Klopp's shown in the past that he that he is prepared to, to give someone an opportunity like that, a loan signing, somebody who's a bit experienced, and hopefully... Liverpool can can pull something out the bag if you like in the in the next couple of weeks and and provide some cover for the for the defence as you say for being out one injury Joel Matip very very susceptible to injuries so we'd be very very um, lightweight in defence if you like if if we didn't bring anybody in if that was fingers crossed doesn't happen but if that was that was to happen but looking forward to the to the game on on Sunday Jay top. Top of the table clash. Obviously, United went three points clear by by beating Burnley on. I think it was Tuesday night, wasn't it? I watched the majority of the game, and um, they played they played okay. Didn't need they had the majority of the game, but against, up against the poor Burnley side, I thought Paul Pogba, Pogba probably had his, his best game that I've seen for for Manchester United um, for a long time, and it seemed to be coming into a little bit of form. But by all accounts, and what. Solskjaer was saying at the end that he's, he's likely to change the team that's going to be playing up against Liverpool at, at the weekend. The likes of Fred and, and McTominay are, are going to be coming back into the side, which which for me is, I don't know, it's, it's a bit of a strange decision, seeing as how dominant they was in the midfield in that game with, with Matt, um, what's his name, uh, Matic and, and Pogba in there, Fernandez. They, they seem to be, they seem to work well as a three and to, to split that up, is that something that's that's going to be in the favour? Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car service to receive any advertised product you must become a member of PenFed insured by NCUA Liverpool this Sunday to be perfectly honest with you I, I'm, I'm not convinced whatsoever with Man United I think they're a very poor team I think they were very fortunate last season to get into the top four they had a good little run after the lockdown periods when there was no fans and you know the, at times the, the, there's no doubt they've got goals in the team with Rashford, Martial, obviously Fernandez loves a pen, we know that, but he's quite a creative player as well. We, we you know, you can't take that away from him, but he's massively overrated in my opinion, and he's a stat padder because of all the penalties he scores. But look, he's still, he's not a bad footballer. There's no doubt about that. Um, and they've got goals in them with, as I say, the, the players I've mentioned there with Rashford and Martial. But I think the rest of the team's very poor. I think the poor defensively, as I've just highlighted there, the amount of goals they've conceded in games this season. I think the goalkeeper to hire is one of them keepers where 
you know, obviously was world class at one point, but the last two or three years he's been really, really poor. Um, you know, Harry Maguire, as we know, turns like a ship, terrible centre half, eighty million pounds, like basically he's not even worth half that in my opinion. Very error prone. Um midfield wise, I think the poor you know, Fred's, you know, book, he's a yellow card, walking yellow cards. I think Matic is dead slow. Um, McTominay's, you know, steady Eddie, no frills, nothing great. Not a bad player, but not a great player. So they don't convince me in the slightest, mate. I, I've never ever thought, you know, this Man United team are a threat to the title, not in the slightest. And I'm pretty sure when it comes to May, there'll be at least 10 points adrift of the eventual winners, whether that's Liverpool or Man City, I'm not so sure. But, like I say, it doesn't bother me who they play in midfield because Liverpool, if they start Thiago, um, obviously Wijnaldum, and hopefully if Henderson, if Matip's fit to Henderson's in the midfield, Liverpool should boss and control the midfield without a shadow of a doubt. It's the only fear I've got is obviously their pace on the break. I mean, they've got Cavani as well. I never mentioned him. He scored some crucial goals for them this season, hasn't he? So, you know, they have got goals in them. There's no doubt about that. And they've got pace as well, as I say, with Martial, Rashford, um, even James. He's not the best, but he's quick, isn't he? So, Look, they've got pace and you can cause us problems on the counter-attack, but I fully expect Liverpool to control and dominate the game. You know my views on Pogba. You know, let's be honest, the goal that he scored was, it took a deflection and went through the goalkeeper's legs. Very, very, very fortuitous. He may well have played well in the game, but again, he's a show pony for me. He's not that good. He'll get found out. He gives the ball away far too often. And, you know, Liverpool will turn that ball over and put pressure on them, press them all over the park and win the ball off. And he won't know what's hit him if he starts this game. Um, so like I say, I'm not convinced by United in the slightest. So it doesn't really bother me, bother me too much who they select because if Liverpool turn up, and put in a performance that they know we know they're capable of, of putting in. Liverpool will win the game comfortably, in my opinion. But I know these games have a tendency to be very tight and cagey, and you know, one goal a winner, if you like, after time. But that said, the last two times at Anfield we've beaten them two 0 and three one, so we have beat them quite comfortably. Albeit Salah's goal was in the last minute when we beat them two 0 last year, this time last season. So, you know, I'm confident, mate. I really am. I know the performances haven't been great. I know we played an Aston Villa kids team in the FA Cup and only beat them four one and scored three goals in the space of five minutes. It wasn't a fantastic performance, but it's all about fine tuning and getting through to the next rounds of the competition and. You know, building a little bit of momentum, bit of confidence, because obviously the confidence is being knocked by three really poor performances and drop points. So, you know, it was good to get back to winning ways and score a couple of goals. And obviously Mane scored two and Salah scored as well. So, you know, a couple of the forward players got on the score sheet and, you know, goals breed confidence. There's no doubt about that. And as I say, going into this game, it doesn't really bother me too much who United select because I can only see three points for Liverpool. Yeah, and um, going into that game on Sunday, Jay, obviously, as you've mentioned, there's a there's a slight doubt over Joel Matip, isn't there, if he doesn't take part in a in one of the full training sessions either from tomorrow, really, isn't it? If Klopp likes to give players to at least two sessions before he'll select them for a for a Premier League game. So if he if he doesn't come through and he's he's unavailable for this game, who do you see yourself coming into that? central defensive position, do you see Henderson filling in there and maybe a Curtis Jones or a Jordan Shaqiri coming into the into the midfield um, or even a James Milner to to provide a little bit of steel, a little bit of uh, workman-like energy in that midfield? 
field. So yeah, just just give us your thoughts on the team selection if if Matip isn't going to be available for this one, Jay. Well, obviously, if Matip is available, then you know, fantastic. It solves all the issues. Henderson straight into midfield. Um, you know, Thiago Henderson, Wijnaldum midfield is going to dominate any midfield in the Premier League, to be honest, isn't it? So hopefully that's the case. But there is doubts about Matip, and I think it's important on Friday if he trains. If he, that's key, really, because Klopp tends to like a couple of training sessions, doesn't he, before like making his team selection. So if he doesn't train on Friday, then we are in trouble, and that means we've got a toss up between dropping Henderson back into into the defensive area or playing, you know, the inexperienced. Nat Phillips, even though he's 23, or Rhys Williams, who's 19. Now, the problem is the likes of Nat Phillips and Rhys Williams are, are pretty slow, aren't they? And that's not to say Jordan Henderson's the quickest either, but he reads the game a little bit better. But the problem I've got with this is I've toyed with things so much. And I, initially, I thought it'll have to be Henderson and Fabinho, centre-half, and then play maybe the experience of Milner in midfield. But the more and more I think about it, I just think we need Henderson in the middle because we've, we've, we've missed him. We missed him against Southampton. And it's all right having Thiago in there and as good as he is and as fantastic a footballer he is. You need Henderson in there as well, do you know what I mean? To do a little bit of the legwork along with Van Alden to allow Thiago the time and, 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 you know, grace on the ball to dictate and sort of like pick the right passes and set the tempo and basically pick the, you know, thread through balls to, you know, the forward players. So, I just think go with a natural player and and I think maybe he could end up going with Phillips centre half if, if Matip doesn't make it. Now I know he's very slow, but so is Reese Williams and as much as like you know, we say he's inexperienced, he did have like six months, I think it was, out on loan with Stuttgart in the Bundesliga. So he's had a little bit more experience really of playing at a at a higher level than what Reese Williams has because obviously he's only nineteen years of age. He hasn't had much opportunity. I think he was at a non league club, wasn't he, last season, Kidderminster Harriers. So, you know, I think I would probably go with the more, the more, ex- in, he's, I say he's inexperienced in terms of Premier League football, but he's more experienced than Williams in terms of playing proper football, if you get me. He is 23, so he's a little bit more mature, a bit older, he's a proper man, isn't he? Whereas Williams still only really a boy. So I'd probably say go with Phillips and Fabinho centre-half as long as we've got uh, Henderson in the midfield area with Thiago and Wijnaldum. I know people are saying maybe change the system to 4-2-3-1, maybe bring Shaqiri into the midfield but I just I've always had the impression that Klopp doesn't trust Shaqiri at all and he's always better coming off the bench as an impact player for me and we've seen that didn't we two seasons ago when we beat them 3-1 when Mourinho was the manager and obviously Shaqiri come off the bench to score two so I just think he'll be used off the bench to be honest with you and I think hopefully if Matip's back it'll be fine if not I think I'd probably go with Phillips just based based on more experienced out of the two and then that allows Henderson to be in the middle and then hopefully Liverpool control the game and you know as I say I'm fully expecting Liverpool to win this game on Sunday Yeah and fingers crossed that Joel Matip does take part in the the next couple of sessions and, and does make that game which will make life a lot easier for, for Jürgen Klopp and, and this Liverpool team enabling Henderson to go back into his, his normal midfield position alongside Thiago and like you say I fully expect Wijnaldum to start as well with your, with your normal front three of uh, Mane, Salah and Firmino so yeah Jay um, before we go we always end the, the podcast don't we with a score prediction so you go ahead first and, and give us your thoughts on the, the score line please 
Well, yeah, I've always been confident going into this game, even before our poor form. And obviously, United's, you know, they, their form's good. But if you analyse the bigger pitch, they've been very fortunate. I mean, the last three wins, you got a deflected injury time winner against Wolves, which was undeserved. They got a, a, a dodgy penalty decision against Aston Villa, which wasn't a penalty because, you know, Pogba tipped his own leg. So, you know, that was a, a fortunate three points as well. And then, of course, another deflected goal you know, against Burnley, which maybe they did deserve to win the game, but, you know, when you analyse it, the goal that they scored was very fortuitous. So, they basically won the last three games and could have drawn all three games. So, that's how lucky they've been. So, the, this luck can't carry on for me. And I just think they're very poor defensively. And I think if Liverpool turn up, I just think Liverpool will put them to the sword. I really do. I think we've got a point to prove. You know, obviously now there's no bigger motivation than them being top of the table and all that. And like, you know, three points ahead of us. If that's no motivation for you when a team as poor as Man United are three points ahead of you, then, you know, I don't know what is motivation for you. Liverpool are a far better team. We've got better players. It's at Anfield. There's no reason at all if we turn up why we won't get the three points. And I think it'll be convincing. I really do. The irony of United getting loads of penalties this season. I've got a sneaky feeling Liverpool might actually get one. Um, but I am really confident and I've had this score on in my head for a while and I'm going to go for a 4-1 Liverpool win. Jay going all out there for a, for a 4-1 victory for Liverpool and yeah, that sounds good to me. So yeah, just uh, my own thoughts on the, the game on Sunday. I, I think it's going to be pretty much like the, the Tottenham game was when we had the majority of the game. Tottenham sat back. I think United are probably going to flood the middle midfield aren't you and possibly go with a 4-5-1 and, and tying it is on the counter attack so I think we'll have a lot of possession and it's, it's going to be up to us to try and try and break them down as it usually is the case but we've had plenty of time on the training field now haven't we and Klopp said that after the Southampton game he's going to be plenty of, sorry after the Villa game plenty of 11v11s to get the lads up to scratch again uh, as you've seen when when Thiago and Shaqiri came on, we played a lot more central than we were playing them. Them little intricate passes through the midfield and and broke them down a few times instead of where the few previous games where we've just been putting balls wide to Trent and Robertson and the opposition teams have just been flooding the box with defenders and and getting people in and around the ball or either stopping the cross. So it's it's been pretty much nullified by the opposition, hasn't it? The way that we've we've been going down the flanks, but although we still can utilise that. That weapon, if you like, I think you'll see Liverpool playing a lot, a lot more balls through the middle, trying to work Firmino and Salah, um, little one twos and things like that. So I'm gonna go with with a three one victory for Liverpool in, in this game. Uh, so I think it was the same scoreline last year, wasn't it? I think it was. Uh, oh no, sorry, it wasn't. It was the year before. It was two nil last time, was it? So yeah, I'm gonna go with a three one scoreline. I just think. Yeah, Jay's right. We've got a point to prove. We want to we want to get back to the top of that table and, and and show United that we're the best team in this country. And it's, it's going to take um, a lot more than a, than a couple of poor results to to knock us off um, off our stride, if you like, and and get back on track with a with a good win against them on on Sunday. So, say a big thanks to. Gav, Phil, and all the lads at the LFC Day Sippers for our podcasts on their platforms. Also, don't forget to keep up with the, the No More Knives campaign with Paul Bentley. You can follow him on Twitter. His, um, his account is always 
attached to the to the cop table podcast and he retweets them all for us so yeah doing lots of good work over there with the with the no more knives campaign it's uh, a very important campaign that we we all should be following really so yeah thanks very much um for joining us once again jay yeah no problem at all you know hopefully on sunday evening we're celebrating you know a, a nice three points and go back to the top of the table where we belong hopefully but as I say, we need to put these manks back in their place because these are in a false position. Let's not forget that. And, you know, as I say, pretty sure when it comes to May, they'll be nowhere near top of the table, nowhere near becoming champions. It's a poor team. Liverpool need to put them in the place on Sunday. I'm sure we will. Spot on, Jay. Right, so that's the Cop Table podcast preview of the Manchester United game. All done. And fingers crossed we may be back next week with, um, with Paul Joyce joining us as well we'll see if we can get um, get Paul on board with us won't we so see what happens there so thanks everybody for, for listening and we'll uh, speak to you all very soon goodbye so let's say you're into yoga or Pilates or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me either way you know being flexible is key to doing what you love that's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us with whole fruits and organic veggies plus type 2 collagen Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it. Because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sports Social Podcast Network.